Lois, take your Bibles and turn to First uh, John chapter two, if you will. First John chapter two. It's good to have some visitors with us tonight, all the way from Calgary, and uh, it's good to have Hannah Buchert with us. First time Hannah has come to see me in our new building, and uh, it's been a few years since she's been up here. Of course, Hannah is Jason Buchert's oldest and smartest and wisest and. Anything else I should say? I'm hoping you give me some money after the service. And uh, most beautiful, you know, whatever you want to say, I'll say it. Just you know, $20. There you go. <laughs> and then uh, Brother Ryan, uh, he said if you had a B and was called Brian, it would be a downgrade. But it's good to have you with us. Thanks for coming. And good to see every uh, person out tonight. Some visitors with this evening. Thanks for being with us. Uh, that song we just sung was written by Dr. John R. Rice. And uh, Dr. Rice, no relation to me, although if you saw his ears, you would think maybe I'm starting to grow into a relationship with Dr. John R. Rice. But uh, I remember when I was in Bible college, my wife and I had just started dating. And I mean, we had just maybe had one date. And obviously she wasn't my wife yet, Ms. Lois. And she sang that song in a ministry meeting, a solo of that song in a ministry meeting. It was a room about this size and full of people, and she got up and sang, and after she got done singing, I shouted amen. Nobody else shouted amen, Brother Jim. And uh, anyway, I, uh, I'll never forget that. Every time I sing that song, I think of it. First John chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 15 through 29 tonight, and we're going to go back to the book of Colossians. Uh, we're going to refer back there. Of course, we're looking through the book of Colossians and kind of tying up and closing off uh, the book as we've been studying. And as we did the last couple of weeks, we're looking at another person that is mentioned in Colossians 4.14, and that person is Demas. And we're looking at Demas uh, and the snare of worldliness. And uh, But tonight I want you to look with me at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, as we begin. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that that is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One. And ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it. And that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. 
These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. In verse 29, the Bible says, If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that every one that doeth righteousness is born of him. Let's pray together as we ask the Lord to help us tonight. Lord, we, we thank you for the opportunity to gather. We thank you for the wonderful songs of Zion that we could sing. We thank you for the opportunity to share our needs and our burdens one with another that we might bear them to Christ together. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity now to open your word, to study, to receive truth, to be encouraged, to be helped, to be challenged. Lord, I pray you'd do all of those things tonight in our hearts and lives. Lord, I pray you'd help me, Lord, as I endeavor to teach you right your truth, your word tonight. Lord, help us not to fall into the snare of worldliness. God, help us not to be captured by that which would pull us away from Christ. Help us not to be pulled away from service, from our love for you, from our relationship with you. Lord, I pray that we would see the warning, Lord, that we would heed it tonight. Lord, we ask for your help. Lord, would you meet the need of every person here? In your precious name we pray. Amen. Almost every person we read about in the Bible, there's something that you associate with them. When you hear the word Demas, it's uh, not a good association. Uh, how many of you know that very few people name their children Demas or uh, Nero is another one. We, we, or, uh, we don't name our children. Uh, oftentimes we have names that in history we have an association that isn't a bad association. We don't use that name. Demas has that association, but we're going to see in just a moment it was not always the case. The subject tonight is Demas. He's mentioned in Colossians 4.14 in the, uh, the closing. We won't turn there, but in the very end of Colossians chapter 4, we see that uh, a greeting from the apostle, uh, a greeting from the apostle to the church at Colossae, and that greeting as well from Demas. By the way, Demas, who was serving Christ. Demas, who was, uh, his relationship was right with God. He was a man who lived and worked with the Apostle Paul. Think about that. He, he ministered with Paul. I can't imagine that. I mean, as far as we know, one of the greatest ministers of the gospel that has ever lived, and Demas got to minister with him. He, he got to work with him. He lived with him, worked with him. But later, and we're going to see in just a moment, like John Mark... Demas, Demas deserted him. But John Mark would come back. John Mark would later go on to serve the Lord. John Mark would be used mightily. But Demas, it seems, would turn away never to be restored into ministry. 
when God gave to Paul to pen to the church at Colossae, the letter to them, all was well as far as we know with Demas. All was well in ministry, all was well in his relationship with God. But about four years, something like that, three to four uh, years later, something had happened. We see something in 2 Timothy, and I want you to turn there with me, 2 Timothy chapter 4. About four years, the best we can tell, have passed since the letter to the church at Colossae. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 10, it says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed unto the Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas had been a man of great privilege. Demas had been a man who most likely was converted at Thessalonica. By the way, Thessalonica, when, I, when you read the letters of the church of Thessalonica, that was a church that really uh, loved the Lord, and they, they were looking forward to his return, and that most likely that's where Demas came to Christ, where Demas got the gospel. By the way, the church at Thessalonica was a, a church that had people from all walks of life and all backgrounds and all cultures. And most likely, that's where Demas got saved. He, he had the opportunity to work, as I mentioned, with the Apostle Paul. But sometime between Colossians chapter 4 and 2 Timothy chapter 4, something happened. That something was that Demas had fallen into the snare of worldliness. He suffered a serious spiritual breakdown. Now, that spiritual breakdown may have appeared to Paul to have happened when Demas said, hey, I'm leaving. But can I tell you that long before Demas took that step of separation, it was already happening in his heart. It was already happening in his heart. Demas had fallen for the snare of worldliness. His backsliding, as I mentioned, must have started in his heart. The Bible speaks very plainly of that truth over and over and over again in Scripture. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, you need not turn there, it says, The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. And then we see in the verse I had you turn to, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, that Demas hath forsaken me. Notice the phraseology after that, having loved this present world. There are many reasons, many reasons to turn aside. We looked at John Mark and made some suppositions about possibly why John went back. Praise God, John got back in the service and got back serving the Lord and was used mightily. But we don't have to make a supposition about Demas. We don't have to do any guessing because God tells us it was worldliness. Now, there are many reasons why we fail and fall and turn aside, but we see the main reason here for Demas was worldliness. And I want to I share just a couple things about him, about this falling away and some, some warnings for us as believers 
and a challenge for us tonight. Number one, we see it was a love for the world that took his love for service. He loved this present world. By the way, that does not mean, that does not mean that Demas was involved in some wickedness. He may have been. We don't know. But it does not necessarily mean that Demas got involved in some wicked thing. You remember, he's serving with Paul uh, in ministry, and they are in some places with many uh, horrible, terrible things and cultures uh, without Christ that they're sharing Christ in that are involved in abominable things. But we don't know that he was involved in those things. He may have been or may not have been, but what we know was that he had just learned to love the world more than he loved God. He learned to espouse the world more than he espoused serving the Lord. Worldliness, by the way, is everything around us, which excludes the Lord Jesus Christ. I heard it said one time that a a sculptor was looking at a piece of marble and as he was beginning to start sculpting, someone came up and said to the sculptor, how do you do it? How how do you create sculptures out of this block of marble? How do you do that? He said, it's very easy. You just remove everything that isn't the sculpture. Well, that sounds very easy. Uh, But if I tried to do that, it would look like a pile of rubble. Uh, That's all that'll be left. Can I tell you, if we remove everything everything that is Jesus Christ, everything that is God's will, if we remove everything that is God's purpose, what we are left with is the world. And the world has many flavors, many facets. But everything that is not of God, everything that is not his purpose and his will, what we're left with is worldliness. Demas had a love for the world. Maybe he began to adopt the world standards. Possibly he began to to view his missionary endeavor, his working with Paul. Maybe he saw it from a worldly standpoint and and saw himself asking the question, is it worth it? Can I tell you that Monday, a choice servant of the Lord looked in the face of his Savior, a man whose life was tragically taken from him in a horrible way on Monday. He left this earth and saw his Savior's face only to learn that it was worth it. It was worth it. Christian, can I tell you it is worth it to serve the Lord? But the world says, it's not worth it. Sunday night, I'm going to talk a little bit about being at ease in Zion going to touch on that subject a little more about the value of serving Christ, but maybe Demas began to look at the world's view and said it's not really worth it. Possibly he just lost his heavenly vision. It's sad when the world's icy grips begin to take a hold of us, Christian. Demas fell into the snare of worldliness. Number two, It may be that his falling into that snare of worldliness 
may have come as a result of persecution and testing. By the way, in the Western world here, we're pretty spoiled. You know, we, we think we're persecuted whenever a, uh, the coffee shop we get our coffee at in the morning doesn't have a Bible verse on our coffee cup at Christmas time. I, I joke, but not really. You know, we, we think we're persecuted, you know, when we have to, uh, have to walk two blocks to get, to, to get in the church. Or, you know, we, uh, somebody was rude to us and said a bad word to us, so I've been persecuted. We don't know persecution yet. Yet. But there are many around the world who do. Brother Troll just brought to the forefront of our vision that which exists every day around our world. And can I tell you in the day when Demas was serving Christ, remember what was going on? Remember when they when Paul came to town, Joel they didn't they didn't throw a party for him. They didn't have a a, a missionary appreciation party every town he went to. No, they had a they had a beatdown. <laughs> they whipped him. They put him in jail. They weren't welcome. They were abused. It may be that Demas was tired of that. It may be Demas said, "Hey, I I'm just going to go to the world." I don't want to deal with persecution. You know, we could spend some time looking, and we won't forsake a time tonight in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, Matthew, chapter 5. Maybe write those references down. I encourage you to look there later. But we see in Scripture oftentimes those that leave because of persecution, those that stop when it becomes difficult. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 the Bible tells us, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin with us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer... According to the will of God, commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Sometimes, sometimes as believers, when things begin to get difficult and we face what God said we would face, we want to turn around. We start looking for greener pastures. We start trying to find somewhere else or something else Parents, can I, can I warn you about something? Can I help you with something tonight? There are many young people, many of your children now and children to be someday, who reared in a godly home, in a place of protection, a 
a place of blessing who when they leave the protection of that environment, many who will who've been nurtured in a Christian home and a good godly church, when they leave to go off to college or they leave home to go to work or they start to work out in the world, can I tell you there is that time when many have their faith severely tested. Some of you live that yourself. Some of you have been there. It may be that Demas was there. And Demas fell into the snare of worldliness. I don't believe it was the case with Demas, but I believe it is the case many times with believers today that false teachers, false teachers, false teaching, and false doctrine often lead believers away into worldliness as we get out of the place that God wants us to be. And by the way, there were many false teachers in Demas' day, just as there are today. And we have to be on guard. You have to know what you believe. I praise God for a godly pastor when I was a young person who I used to spend some time with every week as a young teenager, and he would ask me questions. He'd ask me what I believed about something in the Bible, and I would, that quick I had an answer for him. And I'd say, well, I believe that. And he would look at me and say, are you sure? Um, I think so. Well, why? Show me in the Bible. I, I, uh, uh, it's okay. Next week. Find out why you believe what you say you believe. A lot of times we don't know why we believe what we say we believe. And when that's the case, we're on some shaky ground. And it doesn't take much on shaky ground for us to fall into the path of worldliness. It may have been for Demas that worldliness and falling away into worldliness was just a result of another symptom which may have been forsaking the assembling with believers. It may have been that Demas was not obeying the Lord in that matter. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. In other words, there is a manner, there is a custom, there is a practice which is wrong, which is unscriptural, which is sinful. And that practice, that custom is not to gather together with believers. God says, don't do that. Rather, we are to assemble ourselves together. Uh, why? To be encouraged. Uh, to encourage others, to be challenged, to be discipled, to be taught, to uh, be strengthened, to have an opportunity of service. When all of those things are taken off the table and we're not obeying God, it puts us in a place where we are more likely to fall into the snare of worldliness. It could be that Demas's spiritual experience have become in the past. Maybe he said, yeah, I used to do that. I, I, used to be, I, I used to be faithful to gather together with believers in that city where I was. I, I used to do that. But not anymore. 
I mean, I, I, got, I got bills to pay. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a busy person. I got a lot to do. Christian is very easy. My own personal experience, my family, my family traveled around the United States. My dad worked construction, and we moved from place to place, Wyoming, Florida. We moved back to West Virginia when I was seven years old. And when I was seven years old, we, my dad went back to teaching, and we started going to a church, a good church. Brother Jim, you, you were not at that church. You talked to the pastor. Uh, Grace Baptist Church in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And we were going to that church. It was a good Bible preaching church. And my parents, for some reason, and I, I was just a young guy. I don't really remember, but I, they had talked about they wanted to go to a different church. My mom wasn't happy there. And so they made a decision. And their decision was they were going to go to a different church. They didn't make a decision, we're going to stop going to church. They didn't make a decision, you know what, we're not, we're not going to be faithful to church anymore. They made a decision, we're not going to go to church here because we're going to go somewhere else. So that's what they did. One Sunday, when I was eight or nine, I don't remember exactly how old I was, we didn't go to church one Sunday. But we didn't find somewhere to go that Sunday. The plan was the next Sunday we're going to a different church. I was 10 years old. We still weren't going to church. I was 11 years old before my family got back to going to a good Bible preaching church. Two years about. Not because they said, we're going to stop going to church. They just missed one Sunday. And that one Sunday led to two years. I praise God for a young person, an elementary school student, who looked at my dad, who was, who was their PE teacher, and said to their PE teacher, Mr. Rice, why don't you come visit our church? Our church is just across the road from the school here. I'd like you to come to church. And my dad, of course, a born-again fella, he was pricked in his heart. And that young student who invited him to church got my family back in church. Christian, you think, all oh, that can't happen to me. Happened to Demas. Happened to my family. We better be careful. We better be careful. Because it's so easy, so easy to fall into that snare of worldliness. It could have been, and most likely was, that there was some particular sin that Demas was looking forward to or using as his excuse. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 19, the Bible says, holding faith and a good conscience, which some have put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. And it speaks here about two men who have done exactly that. Demas, it may have been, had some little sin.
The Bible speaks of little foxes that spoil the vines. Christian, be careful. Be careful of those little sins. Be careful of those little sins that lead us to a spiritual downfall. Don't give ground to the enemy. Don't give ground to the enemy. We can run quickly to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But Demas fell into the snare of worldliness. We see in Colossians 4, he was still serving Christ, and yet four years later, that wasn't the case. Turn to the Gospel of John with me, John 6. John 6, verse 66. By the way, I'm not a a follower of numerology, but I, I don't find it surprising in the least that John 666 would have this truth. <laughs> From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Can I tell you, six the number of man in the Bible. When we look to man and get our eyes off God, we stop walking for him. We stop walking with him. When the Lord was, when the Lord began to reveal some of the deeper truths concerning himself here in John, the Bible says there are many who said, I'm out. <laughs> I like the fish you served. <laughs> I like that bread on the seashore. I liked, I liked hearing you speak. I like watching the miracles. But I don't want to receive that truth. That's hard. Demas maybe struggled receiving truth. We know that he went for the world. We see there in verse 66 of John 6, many disciples. By the way, it doesn't say many lost people. Many disciples went back and walked no more with him. The next verse, Jesus turned, he looked at the, the 12, and he said, hey, are, are you going to? Christian, can I ask you the same question? Are you going to go too? Are you going to fall away too? Are you going to jump into the snare of worldliness like Demas did? It says, many followed no more. The Bible tells us, and I read for you very quickly here, in 1 John chapter 2, sometime in the new year, probably we're going to look through 1 and 2 John. But 1 John chapter 2 and verse 19, the Bible says, And they went out from us, but they were not of us. For had they been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. That verse here suggests that there were many who, like Demas, turned back, who do so because they were 
never truly born again. They never truly received Christ. They said, oh yes, I'm a believer. Oh yes, I've accepted Christ. Oh yes, I know him. But they never truly trusted him. If you will, they had a defective knowledge of Christ. They knew of Christ without knowing Christ. They professed Christ but did not possess Christ. I want to give you quickly, and we'll close with this, some safeguards. I'll give you some safeguards tonight quickly about how to keep from having spiritual relapse. How to keep from stepping into the snare of the world like Demas. How to keep from turning aside as Demas did. We see some of those. If you'll turn back to 2 Timothy. In the passage we saw there. It tells us in verse 10 of chapter 4, Demas hath forsaken me. Skip down to verse 17. Notwithstanding, now he's telling he's telling Timothy, "Hey, I'm ready to be offered." We see in verse six. He's like, "I'm I'm just about done here. I'm just about to see the Savior. Demas has left me." And then we see in verse seventeen, "Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear." And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me into his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. We see here how it was that Paul stood firm. How was it that Paul didn't turn aside? He was tempted, no doubt. I can't imagine Paul enjoyed the persecution he went through. But in verse 6 and 7, look there quickly with me. We see number 1, Paul was fully yielded to the will of God. For I am not ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Are we fully yielded to his will? Christian, does he have you? All of you. Are we yielded to him? Paul was yielded. Not only was he fully yielded to the will of God, but number two, Paul lived in the light of the second coming. And I love this in verse 8. Henceforth, Paul said, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love is appearing. What a wonderful, wonderful truth. We, we know that he's coming again. We know what he has for us. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28, the Bible tells us, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Chapter 3 of John, verse 1 and 3 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man, notice this, hath this hope 
in him, purify themselves even as he is pure. Paul lived in the light of the fact that Jesus was coming back and that he was going to stand before him. Paul said, I, he, he didn't turn his back on me. When I was murdering those who were his followers, he loved me enough to receive me unto himself. And Paul said, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing him. And number three, and we'll close with this thought, Paul had absolute confidence in the Lord to preserve him, to deliver him. Now, hold on a minute. We just read 17 and 18 there of 2 Timothy 4. And Paul, Paul here, he'll deliver me from every evil, preserve me. And say, ah, pastor, he couldn't trust the Lord. The Lord failed him. Paul died. Hold on a minute. Where's Paul? He's with the Lord. He preserved him. You see, the safest place you and I can ever be is in God's will. Amen. Amen. I, I keep coming back to this because it's so fresh in my mind and our hearts, but can I tell you our brother who was murdered and martyred for Christ on Monday, can I tell you the safest place for him was in Iraq? said, but pastor, he was killed. He was right in the middle of God's will. Paul lost his physical life, yes. But he never was taken out of the hand of God. Paul had a confidence in his Savior. He, he said, I, I just trust him. I trust him. It can be our confidence to know, Demas hath forsaken me. Christian, what a shame it would be if the epitaph of your life was and hath forsaken me. We see nowhere in Scripture where Demas went back to serving Christ. We don't know, but we see nowhere. May we be careful that we don't fall away from serving him. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, we fail you often. Lord, we like Demas. Lord, like that old song goes, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But, oh God, you've never left us. You're faithful. Lord, I pray that we would walk circumspectly. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful. Lord, when we are tempted to throw in the towel, when we are tempted to walk away, when we are tempted to go to the greener pastures of the world and worldliness, God, would you help us to stay faithful? Lord, may we, like Paul, be yielded to your will. May we walk in the light, not the light of the world, but the light of the second coming. The light of the life to come. And God, may we place absolute confidence in you. God, you tell us that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Lord, when we struggle in our faith, most likely it's because we struggle in our relationship with your word.
God, help us to have a, a vital relationship with this book. And may it build our faith that we would trust you fully and wholly. Lord, bless us tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to come together, Lord. I pray that you'd be glorified for our time together. Uh, Lord, would you bless us now? In your precious name we pray. Amen.